Welcome to the SUMC podcast, where I hope to encourage you towards life and church revitalization, and I'm your unofficial source for revitalization within the local United Methodist Church. This is because I serve within UMC and have seen an across-the-board issue of discipleship and seek to use the knowledge that I have, and more importantly, what I'm learning on my own journey, with those of you who may have been struggling for years or are just starting out and have some ideas, or perhaps you don't know what to do. So let's walk this journey together. Now in this podcast, I'm going to start a series of podcasts here that deal with actually getting started, but on paper. So what I mean is, it's time to actually plan out your discipleship process on paper. Now, we all know that things don't work out as streamlined as we think they should or could. So keep in mind, as we do this, that things will not be so linear, and we've already talked about that in a bit in a previous episode, but at the end of this series, we'll look at variables and other ways your linear discipleship process can work. In short, Think of your discipleship process, quote, ingredients as rings overlapping or circles that are overlapping where people can enter into your process at any point, but then wherever they enter, they're guided through your process in a way that equips them for ministry. Again, for all you literal thinkers out there, for all you math-brained people, just because it looks this way on paper doesn't mean that it will necessarily play out in real life that way. You just need to have a plan. This is a plan. But God might do things a little bit differently when people come to your church. So you need to be open to the Holy Spirit and be ready to shift with the currents, so to speak. So if you have a discipleship process, don't get upset because somebody's not following it exactly the way it is on paper. So, having said that, let's get started. Now, as I have been reminding you, connection is really the first point of impact you're going to have with people at any point in your discipleship process. And not just you who are listening, but anyone in your church. All the more reason to make sure your people understand your discipleship process and what they can do. So connection also means that you have an opportunity to invite the person or people to the next thing in your church, whether it's a continued conversation, as I alluded to before in a previous podcast. But more especially, if you're going to have an event, you want to have the next event planned or sermon series planned coming up to invite people to come and join you. So provide people with links in your videos if you do them to connect them to something else you offer. An example could be your Facebook Live, um, Encourage a Live Party. Link to follow-up questions on your website blog. Point them to Instagram. Invite them to a Zoom or Google Hangout group, etc., etc. So before I get ahead of myself, remember last time I talked about four fears that you might have. Really three fears and one solution. What if I get, to move, what if I get moved to another church if you're a pastor and another pastor comes in? Uh, what happens if the church starts this and then the pastor doesn't agree, the new pastor doesn't agree? What happens when there's an unwillingness by the people in the congregation to engage in this process? And then being able to make it stick with looking at the Book of Discipline, paragraph 244. Today, I want to talk about stepping out in faith in order to make disciples. Getting caught up in the what-ifs means that you might be relying more on what you know and are trying to know 
rather than trusting in the God who's going to guide you. Here are some things to consider as we get started with connecting people to the kingdom of God and then our church. Number one, your first line of connection with the community is social media. If you're still using signs out front of your church, they really need to be used like a social media account. You need to update them frequently and in such a way that people notice. You absolutely need to have a website. If you don't have a website, you need to drop everything and you need to get a website. If you don't have Instagram and a Facebook page, same thing. Because remember, this is not about you. This is not about the people already in your church. This is the people that don't know Christ that are outside your church walls. They're not going to come to your church if you don't have a website. If they don't see you on Facebook doing stuff, they're not going to come to your church. If you're doing all kinds of community events, look around and look at the age of the people at your community events, and hopefully that'll break the glass ceiling of your brain. You need to have a website, Instagram, and Facebook page. Honestly, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't think you do, stop listening and just stop going to church because there's really no point. I swear, you're just going to be living your Christian life all by your lonesome. You have been anyway. And if you're not convinced, then to be honest with you, you're following your own selfish ambition and your desires. You are your own God, and this is not going to make any sense to you. So just stop listening. If you are convinced of that and want to know how, send me a message, and we'll work on it together. I use Weebly. It's called a drag-and-drop application. It's very easy to use. Uh, there's YouTube tutorials on this. You can go to YouTube and you can just type in how do I start a Weebly website and just walk through it. You can do the same thing for Instagram. You can do the same thing for a Facebook page. Just go to YouTube, look it up. There's some videos. I've done a lot of stuff because of how-tos on YouTube. Now, Twitter is helpful too. Do not use TikTok. Just delete the app entirely. Um, Don't use it. I don't care if the kids are. Don't use it. Um, now, these social media things, the website should be changed every six months. It's really your entry door. The Instagram and Facebook page, um, they need to be updated. Twitter, they need to be updated often. If you don't have any of these, you really need to get them as soon as possible. Otherwise, and I really mean this, everything we talk about a discipleship process for here and out is moot and in vain. It's just it's not going to matter. Uh, having social media accounts is that important. You simply need to do it. You just have to. That's just the way things are nowadays. You just got to do it. And if you think, oh, we'll just keep doing things as we always done it, well, then your church is going to close in five years, probably already in a death spiral, and you probably don't have money to pay the bills. If you don't understand this, I honestly believe that you really should do some research. If you disagree with me, Then again, stop listening, go buy the book Autopsy of a Deceased Church by Tom Rainer and read it. Then, after you see that your church is in dire straits, then you can come back and listen to this podcast. So your first line of connection is a website and social media. Your second line of communication and connection are community events in the community. You should be doing uh, events in the community and letting people know who you are, and why you're there. I hope that would explain itself. 
But more often than not, churches go into the community and they help and they get seen as the people that they are and seen by the church. But again, people don't show up. And you're probably wondering, why aren't these people that we talk to showing up on Sunday morning? Well, what did you invite them to? What did you talk to them about? Do you have a website? Do you have a social media account? Did you invite them to like your Facebook page? So you really got to start thinking differently about how to invite people to your church, really because of social media. So be out in the community, be noticed, wear some shirts so that y'all look the same. Be friendly, be loving, talk to and engage with people about their lives and listen. Just don't talk about you and the church, listen to them. Ask if you want them to pray with you. Ask them if you could pray for them right then and there or just pray with them, but then follow up. Oh, I can't emphasize enough following up. You've got to follow up. Now, the third line of connection is community events on the church property. Now, when I say on the church property, I mean outside the church walls, but on the church property. And I'm saying these in order. These are in order of importance. Order of importance, number one, you need to have website, social media accounts. Number two in line of importance is you need to be doing events within the community, off the church property. Number three, line of connection is community events on the church property outside the building. Do block parties, barbecues, chicken dinners, uh, kids things with the the blow-up stuff that they can jump in, sign in and out, make sure of, of the parents, partner with another organization, Uh, to do stuff if they're down the street or around the corner. There's all kinds of things you can do. Just think outside the box and don't get hung up on the little details. If you get hung up on the little details, then um, get off of the leadership team and just watch and learn. Everybody else, uh, brainstorm, go big, and see what God can do. That's going to build momentum in your church. Your fourth line of connection is events within the church building. And, you know, this could be any number of things. could be those uh, dinners that you always throw every year, uh, fundraisers. Um, there's something called after prom, and you can do a fundraiser for uh, fundraising dinner for after prom where the money all goes to them. A um, whole, whole ton of stuff you can do inside the church. Just make sure it's something that the community is interested in, not just what you're interested in. And just because you mm-hmm. always have done it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Your fifth line of connection is the worship service. Now you might think, isn't our first line of connection to connect people with God in the worship service? No, that's ridiculous. Your first line of connection to connect people with God is you. You understand that? You. You are the first line. That's why I have next to a website and social media, which is also you, by the way, Number two, you out in the community. You represent God. You are the first line of connection with people with Jesus Christ. It's you. The worship service, if you haven't done all these other things, people, quite frankly, do not care about coming to your church. Why would you think that worship and the worship service is your top line of connection when you haven't built a relationship with people? They're not just going to show up some Sunday. They're not. Something is going to draw them there. And if you ask them, oh, what brought you here this morning? Chances are they've talked to somebody or they see what you're doing through social media. 
I'm telling you, they're not just going to show up in a worship service. So if you're randomly inviting people to church and not seeing anybody, the fault isn't there, it's yours. And you need to think again about how you're inviting people to church, but you really need to think about how you're connecting with people. So that's your fifth line of connection. And if you're not doing Facebook Live at this point, I mean, I just, I'm sorry, but I just have to laugh at you. You should be doing Facebook Live. If you don't know how to do it, ask somebody to do it for you. Ask them to show you how to do it. You, you just have to do it. I'm sorry. It's just past the point of no return on this. You've got to catch up. So I'm sorry. But if you're trying to do things that just sort of work to get your church through the next hurdle, then you might need to really seriously look at how long your church can remain open. If nobody else is telling you that, then I guess I need to. Because if you haven't been making disciples, if you've just been doing dinners and things just to pay the bills, you got to rediscover what it means for your local church to exist. So begin with yourself. Begin with the people that are there. But then go to where the people are. Get to know the people of the community. You don't know them as well as you think you do. And just listen. And then invite them to another conversation. Invite them to look at your Facebook page. Invite them to help you with it if you don't know how to do it. Man, just try to be a person of joy. That's what the kingdom of God is. It's joy. Remember, this is about the kingdom of God more than it is your local church. Now, at any point, at any point, people might come and visit you. So consider having a worship service on a different day of the week, maybe in the evening. Um, so again, people might visit your church for whatever reason, um, and they might be more inclined to do it if your worship service is a Saturday evening, Wednesday evening, some other evening than, um, some other time than Sunday morning. Because again, your primary task is not to take care of the church building. Your primary task is to make disciples. And you need to do that with vigor. Now, if you're a new pastor, this is going to be a long road. And you're going to have to do much of this yourself. For the first three to four years, you're going to have to be the prime mover in just about everything. If something doesn't reproduce or multiply, then you're going to have to keep moving on to the next ministry. Not program, ministry. Do one or two at a time until the Holy Spirit leads you to something that catches. Hopefully, you're being guided and directed by prayer and some key people of peace within your church or um, influencers in your church to help make this process a more productive one rather than a process where you feel like you're throwing spaghetti at the wall and going with whatever sticks. If you feel like your entire church is against you and you're just not getting anywhere, I love you, but you're the problem. And you need to really look at your theology. If you've been there a while, if you're a pastor that's been there a while, likely you're saying that you've tried everything. Likely the people are saying, I've tried everything. Well, I'm going to challenge the quality of what you've done. Did you do it well? Or did you do it in a hurry? Were you proactive or were you reactive? I'd bet money, we're not supposed to, but I'd bet money that you've been reactive. I'll also ask you if you did any kind of debrief or follow-up after your event, ministry, or program, asking the questions, what was good, what could be fixed or improved upon, in other words, the bad, and what just didn't work, what was ugly, uh, what, do you, what could you continue with, what could you change, or would you never do it again? 
If you're not doing follow-up, well, then you're just not going about things in a way that's productive. One and done, that's rarely effective. One and dones lead to something, some conversations like, hey, do you remember that thing that we did last year? That was really fun. Yeah, that wasn't effective. Now, if you don't have a pastor, likely you're going to face opposition and are already probably have factions within the church. People, it's probably like half and half, you know, half, or thirds. Half, a third of the people want to do things differently than you. You're in a camp of another third, and then the other third don't care. They just want something done. Well, you simply need to find a small group of people who want to be discipled and make disciples. Some people in the church are just thinking about the church and having the church be successful, which is okay, but they're not thinking about making disciples. So they're living in fear and anxiety, and they want things to be like they used to be. Those aren't people of peace. So find people of peace who want to be discipled and make disciples, and then begin to make things happen through prayer and guidance by the Holy Spirit. And make sure things are communicated well, particularly with the DS and leadership team. Because if you're doing everything in secret, if you're trying to do things and you're afraid of the DS finding out, or you're afraid of the district leadership team finding out, or you're afraid of the leadership of your church finding out, then again, you might be the issue. Uh, you might be minus might equals you are. You are the issue. So you might want to take some lay classes too at the district level and become a lay person or lay leader. Just start making disciples. What has God done in your life that you can share with somebody else? That's what it means to be a disciple. How are you growing? You need to be growing and then go and make disciples. So finally, as I've been reminding you, Connection is really the first point of impact you're going to have with people at any point in your discipleship process. Not just you who are listening, but anyone in your church. So communicate it well once you get it all done on paper. Everybody should be able to say it simply and easily. Now, in communicating this and saying things over and over again, inviting people to the next thing that your church is doing, say, hey, come check this out. Come It might feel like you're peddling your church. Well, in a way you are. But if you're doing it to fill seats rather than build the kingdom of God, well, then you are acting like a salesperson and false prophet. However, if you are truly believing that your church has unique giftings in order to make disciples and a way for people to connect with God and one another, then wouldn't you want to connect people with your wonderful church family? I would like to think so. So again, this is going to take a long time, but you can do it. You can do it. So remember, connection. Connection and connecting with people is the first primary part of a discipleship process. I mean, if you think about it, if you're not connecting with anybody, how can you possibly make a disciple? So next time, we're going to be talking about step number two. Once you connect the people with who you are in your church, connect them more and more with God through Bible study. So we'll be talking about that next time. And until then, God bless, be at peace, and go in peace.